You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview. Hey everyone, it's Call Me Adam. Welcome to Season 2 of my podcast, Bearing It All with Call Me Adam. This season, we are focusing on my guests' legacies and lessons learned, as well as some other fun topics I hope you'll enjoy. Before we get to my guest, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to my show. I'd also like to give an extra special shout-out to my Patreon family for supporting this podcast on a deeper level. If you want to become a member, visit patreon.com slash callmeadamnyc. Now, on today's episode of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam, I am chatting with theater royalty and SAG Award winner for Netflix's Orange is the New Black, Annie Golden. Annie may have been mute behind bars, but when we come back, Annie is going to talk with me about her legacy in part one of our interview. So stay tuned. Hi, Annie. Hi, Adam. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Congratulations on season two. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Well, we have so much to talk about, so why don't we get started? Yes. Okay. So let's start with um let's start with with one of my new topics is all about legacy. So in like X amount of years from now, when someone mentions Annie Golden, what do you hope they say about you? That old thing? No. <laughs> I um I I gave this some thought and I think it's just um from the beginning of my career from the very start uh I would walk into a casting session or you know recording session or an interview an audition and people would say <laughs> Annie Golden. Yeah, that's your stage name. What's your real name? And it actually is my real name. So it is my family name. So I feel like when people uh, say my name, I think it it just infers kind of um, uh, I'm I'm I was named correctly, Annie Golden. It it should be uh, laughter and light, and that's what I hope uh, it will evoke when people mention mention my name. You know, in in the in the future. Well, you certainly do bring a lot of laughter and light in all the work you do. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. And um, a lot, a lot of people know, but in case for some of my listeners who may not, you, you got your start when you fronted the punk band, The Shirts. Yes. Um, so why are you so proud to have this band as part of your history and that time in in music? Well, it was, you know, it was um, late 70s uh, throughout the 80s on the Bowery at CBGB's. And I liken it to um, uh, Liverpool with the Beatles, uh, the ca- the Cavern Club. I mean, it suddenly was a scene. But when you're in it, you don't really kn- know that, that it's going to uh-huh. be uh, important in the future, uh, that it's going to be part of New York history, music history. Um, and so, you know, I, I, uh, 
I'm so happy to be a part of that. And it was really, I just recently saw um, a documentary uh, called The Comedy Store about the comedians on the Sunset Strip. And, uh, you know, they had uh, uh, David Letterman and Richard Pryor and, you know, uh, Jim Carrey. And, and they showed footage of people when they were starting out. And I just thought that's similar to the scene that we went to. They were saying, you know, they would go on at 1.45 to a.m. to seven people to do new material. We called it at CBGB's on the Bowery the graveyard shift. So then you could do. Yeah. And we would go on at like 1 a.m. On a school night, on a weeknight, you know, that's how young we were on a school night. Oh but um, yeah, so um, yeah, so it, it, who knew when we were in it, but uh, you know, uh, the Talking Heads, David Byrne, uh, the Ramones, um, Blondie, all of those bands we played with and we hung with and, you know, and, and it actually was a part of history. But when you're in it, you don't know. You're just you're yeah. just excited. Yeah, you're just yeah. excited to, you know, to be a part. And that's How why I'm, yeah, that's why I'm so proud to have a part of my legacy. And that's where I was discovered by Milos Forman. So the stars aligned, you know, mm. and here it is 40 years later, and I'm still doing the career that he gave me. That's incredible. You're very, very lucky. I totally am. I mean, I refer to CBGB's as my Schwab's drugstore because back in the golden age of Hollywood in the 40s, Lana Turner was discovered at the counter of Schwab's drugstore. So CBGB's yeah. is my is my Schwab's drugstore where I was discovered mm -hmm. CBGB's fronting a band. And here we are, like you said, 40 years later, and your body of work is m magnificent. I mean from Broadway to off-Broadway to film to TV, you, I mean, you have done it all. What, I, I have, I have been very lucky. Yeah. Yes. What shows, um, what shows are you most proud of to have in your body of work? Well, I guess, I guess I would say what I'm most proud of in my career would probably be the roles that I originated, mm. you know, like, um, uh, Georgie Bukatinsky, uh, in the Full Monty and uh, Squeaky From in Assassins. And also, you never know, again, you never know. You're just living your life. You hope to get the gig. You, you want to get a paycheck. Uh, if it's a good gig, you want to get it. If it's a reputable person, you want to work with them. And I mean, now, now part of my legacy is that I'm a Sondheimian uh, leading lady. You know, who, who yes. knew? But, but of course, if Sondheim was ever going to write a role, for a soprano and cast me, she should be called Squeaky. So, you know, so yeah. there's that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I loved you that. in Athens. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was the hottest ticket in town. So those are the roles that I'm, I, I'm most proud of, I think, is, um, and then George, Georgie Bukatinsky in The Full Monty. Yes. Uh, I, I remember being in my living room and I got, I got to tell, Terrence McNally, this story that I was watching him on late night television being interviewed about Masterclass. And he was talking about his uh, love of Maria Callas. And I was going, I like this guy. I want to, you know, this guy is passionate. I, you know, I I'd like to work with that guy someday, you know, and that was before anything, you know. So wow. I, I, I got to tell him that because I kind of liked that he was saying, 
she's an opera diva, but she was not a uh, perfect. She was not perfection, but she was passionate. And I was like, oh, I like that. The quirky opera singer. This guy loves her. Okay, great. I'm I'm down with this guy, Terrence McNally. Yeah. So um, you, you pretty much manifested your getting cast in Full Monty then. <laughs> I guess I did. <laughs> I mean, I'm a good witch. I'm a good witch. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, just- I loved you. Loved you in Full Monty. That was the show that you and I met. I mean, I can't believe it's been it's been that long that we've known each other. Yes, we recently did a reunion on Zoom during the pandemic. Yes. Uh, Jason oh. Danieli got us all together, and uh, Jack O'Brien was there, and uh, Lindsay Lindsay uh, Law was there, and J- uh, Jerry Butler. And Patrick Wilson and John Ellison Conley and just every you know everybody was there and it was yeah. just w- wonderful to see everybody and see everybody oh, still so nice. still doing it and going strong and yeah it's great. Oh, that's wonderful! That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, are there any shows you wish you could remove from your legacy of work? Isn't that funny that you say that? Because I was like, wait. What? Uh, remove? I no, because my mission statement is, you know, like my name, Annie Golden, Golden Annie, Golden Girl. Uh, my mission statement is to just, you know, delight, you know, yeah, uh, and entertain. And so, to m- my mission statement is every time I do a gig, I I get a BFF out of it, like whatever. Uh, however uh, challenging the gig was, uh, whatever the issues were. And that would be mostly regional stuff, regional stuff when I have to go away, uh, which uh-huh. Dolly will never go away again. No, I'm not, I'm not going away anymore. But anyway, um, you know, region, regional gigs when uh, you, you're not in your wheelhouse and you don't have your support system and your family. And I mean, I was doing regional gigs when we didn't have Zoom. We didn't have phones, we didn't have FaceTime. So you were really, you didn't see your family, you didn't see your friends for however long that may be. I would Mm. say remove from my resume only because the resume, thank God, is ongoing. Mm -hmm. So things become, uh, and also particularly it's different for girls. Um, You're only as good Mm -hmm. as your your most recent credit. And since you Mm -hmm. have, more impressive credits as you as you you know as you continue hopefully then you're not sitting back on your laurels you don't you don't need the old stuff and you don't need the out of town stuff but i would never really remove anything because i have i have forever friends um mm-hmm. you know i started it with when i went to um colorado i did a uh-huh. sit down uh with the john denver musical almost heaven and oh, wow. i and I bonded with my dear friend, Marsh Hansen, whom I didn't know in New York. And he was in Les Mis and you know, we never met in New York. And then we bonded like crazy in, in Colorado and we clung to each other. So every job after that, I would say, who's my Marsh? Who, who, who's my, I called him handsome. Who's my handsome? Who's my, so I would always come off of a gig with a new friend, didn't have to be a guy. And um, I would say, you know, you're my Marsh from this gig. You're my BFF from this gig. So just removing things is just when you when it, you bump it up with something more recent. That's mm-hmm. what I would do. Otherwise, I just I try to enjoy everything I do. So I wouldn't really remove anything. I haven't had any nightmares 
that have to be removed. So that's great. That's good. That's good. And you have such a positive outlook and a a wonderful, um, I love your mission statement. And I love how you look at every single job and opportunity. And I, I just think that's so fantastic. Well, it's kind of like doing, people say, how do you keep a show fresh? And we had done Oh, we had done the full Monty for, you know, two years. We had done it during 9-11. How do you keep it fresh if you're doing eight shows a week? And I'm kind of like, well, um, every time you do a new job, you're open to uh, new creatives, new production companies, you know. um, So uh, that's your attitude is when you go out and you've been doing it for two years and there's a new audience, you're like, there's somebody new out there to impress. There's somebody new out there to inspire. There's So w- with that mindset, um, nothing, you know, everything is, everything is an opportunity to improve and challenge yourself and nourish yourself with the new creatives or new people. So, yeah. So that's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I think that's a great story to stick to. And I think a lot of people can learn from, from that outlook. Yeah. Yes. Just, just take um, it off. Just take it off if it's old and out of town. Yes. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, you know, and then people will find out. I mean, people will be like, wait, you did a workshop of Carrie, the musical. What was that like? You know, so. Yes. So you have secrets. You have secrets to delight people, you know. Yes, yes. And I love I love learning about everybody's secrets. So mm-hmm. we'll 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 find out some of yours maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Maybe. Um how do you how do you hope um your work on Orange is the New Black fits into your um you know, your legacy when people think about what you did on that show? What's like the one thing you want someone to be like, wow, she did that on the show really good? Well, it was kind of funny that um, uh, when I auditioned for it, I auditioned for uh, Sister Ingalls, the the Beth Fowler role. Oh, yes. Yeah. And then Genji contacted my agents and said she was offering me Norma Romano. And um, we were all like, "Um, who's Norma? Because there's no breakdown and there's no sides and, you know. And the reason was Genji was going to write it. And uh, I did not know that my character was a traumatic mute at the time. Mm. I was maybe the, fir- the, the first silent cat. Well, there was a movie, Jane Wyman, in, in the 50s called Johnny Belinda. She was also a traumatic mute. So, um, But it was something new. And it was uh, specific to my character. So if it was a device, I'm going to ride on that wave of... Um, <laughs> You know, just listening and being still, which is the kind of actress that I am a- anyway. So I'm so glad that Genji Cohen, you know, tapped into that. But also, um, when we would, uh, House of Cards started on Netflix. Mm-hmm. But when we started our second season, I remember our debut. And nobody knew who we were. And then our second season, when we had our day, when we had our premiere, the executive from Netflix came and invited everybody, welcomed everybody and said, welcome to the show that has put Netflix on the map. So, I mean, that's really, and she would say that always. So Mm -hmm. we were, we were so excited to be that important. It gave attention 
uh, to the problem of the incarcerated mm-hmm. in this country, uh, women of color, uh, sing- single uh, single mothers. Um, it was really just groundbreaking, and I'm so happy to be a part of it. And it was, you know, based on uh, Piper's, uh, you know, memoir, Orange mm-hmm. is the New Black. So it uh, Piper Kerman uh, turned turned us all on to Women's Prison Association. These women were disenfranchised for decades. So Women's Prison Association is one of um, all of our uh, our new charities because um, they don't get anything new. They get hand-me-downs. So, you know, on a Broadway show, you get your underwear, your names in your underwear. You get extra so that, um, you know, your costumes, you get extra. So we would, at, at the end of a show, whether it be Broadway, off-Broadway, we would take all our stuff over to Williams, uh, Women's Prison Association so that they would have stuff to wear to job fairs, job interviews, parole hearings, uh, uh, family court to get their children back. So it was really That's very, wonderful. very sad, satisfying on a lot of a lot of levels. Orange is the new black. And then let's not even talk about that ensemble that I got to work with. Yeah, with most most of those women being theater people. I mean, you know, uh, Leah Delaria and I were, you know, we did on the town with George yes. C. Wool. So we were like this, you know, and, um, you know, and other people, Elizabeth Rodriguez, all these theater people, uh, yeah. Beth Fowler, it just, you know, it was just heady stuff and so fun and exciting. Yes. Well, I loved you. I loved you on the show. And um, I know, I mean, I'm sure everybody listening loved you on that show. Now, another big um Another big show that you did, you've actually had several different incarnations with, is um, Hair, because you were in the yes. film, you were in the Broadway revival. So um, can you talk to us a little bit about about wh- why the show is so important to you and why you love doing it? Well, it's actually like right in my wheelhouse, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, ju- uh, you know uh, uh, love and light, you know, so it's kind of in my wheelhouse. And it's so funny because I came from the punk scene, which is mm. so like, you know, hardcore and, you know, and me going, la, 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 you know, like just, <laughs> just like the flower child who will not wilt. That's me. Yes. So, um, <laughs> so I have to thank Hilly Crystal at CBGB's because, you know, as I said, that was where I was discovered. I actually, I told the Terrence McNally story, but I also had a story that I told Milos Foreman when we became friends. Um, I was sitting, I was sitting, I guess, in my parents' house when I was watching the Oscars and Milos picked up his Oscar for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And his date was his twin boys who were about 12 or 14 at the time. And I said, that guy, he walked the red carpet. And I went, that, guy, that guy's brought his kids. I said, I love that guy. So it's so funny how, you know, stuff resonates to you. And then if you're, you know, as lucky as I am, you, you know, you get to meet these people, uh, so uh, Hilly Crystal and CBGB's uh, Milos Foreman discovered me there. He was uh, talent scouting or slumming, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> and he, you know, he, he came down to CBGB several times and he, he picked several other people to audition. He was looking for fresh new talent, um, which they don't really do anymore. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, and... Um, 
and he put me he put me in the movie and uh to this day we just had we just had our 40th reunion of the uh, of the tribe of the of the film the film cast oh wow um there was a we, we lost milos in april of last year and mm. so um we well not last year two years ago and so he was on the board of the avon theater and they were renovating this beautiful art deco theater in connecticut and uh they did a screening of hair they sold tickets it was a fundraiser they got us all together they put us up it was john savage treat williams beverly d'angelo donnie dacus and um you know dorsey wright and we were all together and i keep in touch because that's me but uh -huh. they actually you know we hadn't been together in the same room for 40 years wow so that so that was lovely. Yeah. And I was just, I was on a movie set, but it was in Central Park, which was mm -hmm. where I, where I would hang. So, um, so it was an amazing situation to be in the film and to have the genie character be mine cinematically. And it was kind of a public, I was the start of stunt casting too, I guess, because I didn't have any credits. I did, you know, I was just a, a kid from a, from a rock band uh, on the Bowery. And um, I was a sponge. I, I, I just mm. listened. I, I just listened and learned and absorbed everything. And uh, Twyla Tharp was the choreographer. And, and then wow. I started doing, I know. And so it was stunt casting. So I got my equity card and my Screen Actors Guild card both thanks to Milos Forman, because then I was suddenly on the casting list and they said, they're considering, uh, you know, th this girl for, for Jeannie, let's bring her in. Mark Shaman played my audition for Jim Ray Rado and, uh, and Jerry Ragney and Galt McDermott because they were going to mount uh, a revival of hair as a publicity you know, to, to uh, gain attention for the movie beginning to shoot uh, on location in New York. So I went in and that's how I met Mark. Mark was sitting at the piano and I didn't know what to sing. And I was like, they go, well, you're in a band, you know, do you write songs? No, really, the boys write the songs. I don't really, no, I don't read music. So I, don't, I didn't bring anything. I don't know what to sing. And I had Judy Garland's biography by Gerald Frank in my, in my hand. And Mark saw it and he said, what you got there? What are you reading? And I said, oh, Judy gone. He goes, oh, and he started tickling the ivories with somewhere over the rainbow. And uh, I'm, I'm all, all, always chasing rainbows. And so he started playing. He said, you know this one, right? And I started singing. And then he went, can you do it here? Can you sing it there? So Mark Shaman got me my, you know, uh, got me further along on my audition process. So it was the revival at the Biltmore Theater, um, directed by the original director, Tom O'Horgan. So I hit it just at the time I, I got to be with Jerry and Jimmy. J Jerry died shortly after that, Jerome Ragney. Mm. And I'm still close with J Jim Rado to this day and Gaunt McDermott and so they always drag this whole thing out when, you know, when they're doing something that has to do with hair. And then in Orange, the original, the, one of the original Ron Genies, Dale Souls, was Frida Berlin. 
So we always talk about that, that we're the two genies. Oh my God. I know. Such a connect. It has like stayed with you literally throughout your whole career. That is so amazing. So amazing. And, uh, you know, absolutely wonderful. Yes. Yes. Well, my, my last. Yeah, go ahead. Oh no. What were you going to say? I said, you can't make this stuff up. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. It's, it's just my life. It writes itself. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, yeah. you've been, you've been truly blessed. It's, it's so beautiful to see. Absolutely. And don't I know yes. it? Yeah. Yes. Um, and my last question in, in the legacy, uh, portion is what's something about you that you would like to get passed on to the children of your family, like your nieces and your nephews? What, what's something yeah. you want them to always remember or know about you? Well, not to beat a dead horse, you know, but, um, the, the element of joy, um, mm. you know, to, to, to bring joy, to give joy, to spread joy. As a matter of fact, when I was being considered to play Squeaky Fromm in Assassins, uh, and, and that was ages ago, I was still young, you're, you're still building your resume. I was like, do I, I want my legacy to be genie. I want my legacy to be from that era, uh, the, the, loving, the, the loving peace and love girl. I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to do the other side of the coin with the misguided zealot of the groupie, uh, you know, the redheaded homicidal, you know. So right. I, 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 I was torn, but then I went in and, you know, sang for Stephen Sondheim. And uh, as long as Stephen wanted me, I was like, sure, uh, you know, I'm not going to pass up this opportunity. Right. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not that stupid. But um, yeah, but uh, I would say just, you know, I mean, I guess it's typecasting then. It's just, just try to make um, everything you do uh, love and light. You know, just just try to impart, but in not in a not in a bobblehead way, just in an organic, authentic way. Just try to if people are if people are gossiping or if people are being naysayers, which is harder and harder in this climate. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just glad that on election day, you know, that was a Tuesday, but we didn't know until Saturday that our prayers had been answered. And yes. I feel like, you know, the, the next day the world was a little less ugly, you know? So that's, yes. you know, that's what I would try to impart to the kids is just, you know, enjoy everything you do. Um, and don't, don't waste any moments with, you know, with um, uh, negativity or uh, competitiveness or, um, you know, which, which, you know, our whole atmosphere lately has been that. And um, yes. I see the clouds breaking and the sun shining through because it was really wearing me down, you know, yes. so really. Yes, no, me too. Yeah, so it's really that. I mean, I just try to make, when I would do a master class, I, w I was at the Einhorn School for the Performing Arts uh, doing a master class at primary stages. And I would say, when you walk into the audition room to take uh, the pressure off yourself of being chosen, choose me, uh, I, have, I have eight minutes to make you uh, want to pick me, just say, make their day. Walk in and make their day. That's your that that's your objective. To um, uh, accomplish what you want to accomplish, maybe with a new song or 
singing your song the best you can or uh, trying not to look at the paper when they've given you the sides for a cold read or something. You know, just just make their day. That's what, And if they're on the phone while you're auditioning or they're eating their salad while you're auditioning, maybe you don't want to work with them. Mm. You know what I mean? So yes. try to, yes. yeah, that that's, so even, not even just, you know, silly, uh, you know, hippie-ish joy, but just um, be a bright light where, wherever you can, you know, Gandhi said yes. that first. So that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. But you know, that's, that's, that's really what I would impart. That's a wonderful. And that's such great advice for, for actors, especially as auditions are starting to, to open up again, whether over yeah. zoom or whatnot. Um, yeah. it, that's great to let, of you know, future actors now know to, how to handle a room. Yes, and yeah. they also. I mean, the kids coming up now. I mean, it started as 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 early as um, the Full Monty with me, where mm -hmm. I was in I was in a rehearsal. You know, with Patrick Wilson, Emily Skinner. I mean, the, these kids went to Carnegie Mellon. I didn't know mm -hmm. what that was. Then when I was uh, when I was in the hair. When I was in the hair revival in 1977, summer of 77, we were rehearsing it. I was with Peter Gallagher and I was with mm. David Patrick Kelly. And I, I mean, those people, they studied and I, I, I didn't study. I didn't have any training, uh, formal training. As I said, I was just a sponge. So, I mean, um, as early as that, I was, you know, as early as the Full Monty. I was saying to people, these kids are th triple threats. They come out of performing arts programs and they can read, uh, they, they can sing anything, they can dance, they can act a scene. Um, you know, so I wasn't intimidated because by then I had had experience mm -hmm. uh, and I knew what I was doing, but I just went, you know, nobody falters, nothing is uncertain. Everything is just, you know, they got this. And that's yeah. not true. That's not true. Because, you know, a, a creative person is always going to want to do their best and don't know if they have done their best. But um, yes. it was just these kids are trained within an inch of their lives and they're so capable. So when you walk in, you know, be that bright light. Yes. It's so wonderful. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, We'll do some rapid-fire questions and find out even more about Annie. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Annie Golden. Priceline presents Go to Your Happy Price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline you can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else. Like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Febreze is a proud partner of Can't Cancel Pride. However you choose to express yourself, Febreze has the perfect scent to make your home even more fabulous. 
in your own unique way. Have an amazing pride from Febreze. Growing up as a latchkey kid in a small town in Maine, I always assumed I was safe. After all, unless it makes national news, murder isn't something people talk about around here. But that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Murder, She Told is a true crime podcast featuring crime stories, unsolved murders of missing persons, and baffling cold cases from my home state of Maine, New England, and small towns across America. These are the crime stories your hometown doesn't want to talk about. The mysteries buried deep in the newspaper archives of local American history. These are the homicides you've probably never heard of before. Through detailed storytelling and connections with family, friends, and investigators closest to the case, Murder, She Told will hit home for any true crime fan, whether you're from Maine or from away. Visit MurderSheTold.com to suggest your hometown crime story. And subscribe now wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Kristen Seavey, and this is Murder, She Told. Hey everyone, this is Annie Golden, and you're listening to Bearing It All with Call Me Adam. And now we're back. Yay! Welcome back. Thank you, Adam. You're welcome. Let's do some rapid fire questions. Um, let's start with favorite TV show. Um, uh, Law and Order franchise, or uh, yes. be, because the New York because the New York actors would make television are making television money, or maybe because yes. it's longe- longevity. Law and Order it's been around forever. So I love yeah, that. yeah, I I love SVU. One yes. of my favorite. Yeah. Oh my god! Who knew that it was gonna like surpass surpass the original? Really, I know. Yeah. Historic. Or if you want comedy, mu- sa- Saturday Night Live. If you want comedy, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So favorite musical? Little Shop of Horrors. Little oh, Shop of- oh, I love it. Uh, I was the last Audrey that Howard Ashman put in. Uh, in the original, oh my god! In the original run down at the Orpheum where Stomp is, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I got to work with Howard. And also, I just recently saw the movie. And when does someone who originated a role, particularly with the girls, Ellen Green, get to to see it through? See it through. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Little Shop of Horrors. I mean, that score is so clever and wonderful. And and it's kind of my wheelhouse because it's pop Broadway, you know? So, yes. Yes. Little Shop of Horrors, I love, I love. One of my favorite musicals as well. Yes. Uh, favorite play? Our Town by Thornton Wilder. Mm. Does en- Does anyone realize life as they live it every, every minute? So that's, mm. yeah. That's, yes. that's, the, that's the quote. Yes. Favorite cereal? Raisin Bran. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite game show? I don't usually, I don't really watch game shows, but was there one called Concentration with Hugh yes. Downs back in the, this is before your time, but yes. I, used to li- I used to like that because you would, people would call things and it was so in the beginning, it was the setup where you would just mm-hmm. uh, uh, turn the board around and then you would get to see where everything is placed and then you would have to remember it. So Concentration yes. with Hugh Downs. Love it. Favorite board game? Scrabble, because it's language yes. and it's I words. 
and they have mm-hmm. junior they have scrabble junior so it's you know yep. we don't we don't have language much anymore because we text and we do abbreviations and we do you know so yeah, scrabble scrabble with language yeah yeah your go-to karaoke song um well uh harry nelson's can't live Mm, yeah. If li- if living is without you. Without you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Love that song. Yeah. That song is money. And, yes. <laughs> yes. And Mar- Mariah Carey does a, a great version that I love of it as well. Yeah, I she does. And it's, you know, yes. and, and I like it for karaoke because it starts really simple and, and as you would say in, you know, singer singer's lingo, intimate and cabaret. And yes. then it just is epic and operatic. So can't live. Yes. Yeah. And lastly, uh, your go-to emoji when texting. <laughs> this is so typical. It's thumbs up. You know. Yes. <laughs> Positivity. Just I love it. thumbs up. Yeah, that's right. Oh, we are unfortunately out of time for today's episode. Part two of my interview with Annie Golden will be coming soon, where we discuss lessons learned. So stay tuned. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story for he happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's Adam, Adam, lives for the business of show. Call me Adam.com. Find more episodes of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam everywhere you stream podcasts. For my print and video interviews, visit my website, callmeadam.com. Follow me on social media at callmeadamnyc on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And finally, if you really want to get involved, support my podcast on a deeper level by becoming a member of my Patreon family. Visit patreon.com slash callmeadamnyc. There, you'll get a variety of backstage perks, including advanced notice of interviews, the ability to submit a question to my guests, and everyone's favorite, swag. 